Welcome, everybody, to the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, uh, Dr. Andy Workguys. I am here today with the one and only Maria Perita, and we are tackling a question from the mailbag. Our listener wants to know, um, I have an employee, and this person has a, how should we say, dramatic personal life, and they are way oversharing that personal life with the rest of the staff, and it is causing some issues. Can I talk to this person and make sure that they know we care about them? And also, you gotta stop. That's what they're asking. Uh, is this a fixable thing? Is this uh, is this just something that has gone on too long and now we're stuck with it? I don't know. Let's get into it and find out, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Maria Perita. Hello, Maria Perita. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Andy Rourke? Ah, I am. I am so good. I am trying not to live in a shadow of jealousy because you just got back from the VHMA (laughs) conference where you got your official CVPM uh, uh, certification and I saw I see pictures from this and there's a picture of all these people who were all like dressed professionally <laughs> and standing at attention and then there's you with this huge grin and like you're doing finger guns and I'm just like oh what a ham and so you were clearly having a wonderful time and getting accolades and then today the the VHMA manager to manager podcast comes out and somebody sent it to me and they're interviewing you <laughs> And I was like, we are never going to be able to fit her head onto a Zoom call after this week. And so you seem to be living your best life. I am absolutely (laughs) living my best life. I have to tell you, I had so much fun at that conference. Um, And the podcast that I did with them was actually all about networking. So I actually think it came out just in time for the conference. And they might have just shared it on the social media, um, but it was actually, it was really fun to do that podcast because I'm, you know me, I love talking to people. I am a golden retriever. I will go up to anyone and talk to anyone. And that's a big part of networking is just talking to people about what's going on with their life. And so I had a lot of fun doing the podcast, but I'll tell you what, doing the podcast right before going to the conference, it almost like geared me up even more. So I was trying even harder than I was trying before to talk to as many people as possible. And so what happened was that by the time the ceremony happened, I had tons of friends (laughs) at the conference. And so they were cheering me on and oh man, that smile, that grin you saw, it was totally real. I could not stop smiling from just ear to ear, just the excitement, because I was really proud of myself for, you know, getting it done and having, getting the pin and everything, but also just being around so many like-minded individuals that also worked really hard for something like this, or are currently working really hard towards something like this. And then obviously just, just the energy of the whole, the whole thing. I had tons of fun. Um, So yeah, yeah, it is going to be really hard uh, to fit my head in the Zoom because basically, you know, I'm a CBPM and I'm awesome. And Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like talking about being set up for success is like, hey, let me interview you on networking. And now I'm going to release you into this yeah. conference. <laughs> like you have been primed to go and make friends. So I, okay, I, I love it. Meanwhile, uh, in my life, uh, the Uncharted 
podcast episode where I told Stephanie Goss uh, about discovering Rod Stewart, and I'm in a place I've reached the age where I am now a Rod Stewart fan. <laughs> that came out last week, and I cannot tell you how many texts about Rod Stewart featuring Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart gifts, Rod Stewart <laughs> emails, Rod Stewart lyrics. I have been emailed and texted in the last in the last week. That's People amazing. really enjoyed uh, this new phase of my life. And so uh, while you're racking up accolades, <laughs> I'm getting lots of wake up, Maggie. I think I've got something to say to you voicemails. Oh, uh, yeah. I actually didn't know who that was until that episode. Uh, oh, my and- <laughs> God. I had to look him up. And then I was like, are I, you serious? Yes. <laughs> Goss and I were joking. We were like, there's young people who don't know who this is. Ha ha ha. I didn't know it was you. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's uh, state the fact that I didn't know English until I was like six. And so there's, okay, there's, a, all right. you know, I'm not, and then even then, so a lot of the music was in Spanish for many years. So I, I, there's a pass. I'm, I am in my mid thirties. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, that's okay. You, you got me there. Okay, that's I will. I'm going to I'm going to take comfort in, in that. Yeah, there's, there's oh, a little man. comfort in that. Let's uh, what let's let's do some work here. Uh, let, let's uh, let's go to the mailbag. We got that's a good right. one today. We do have a really good one. Um, the mailbag question for today is something that I resonate with. And I'll tell you why after I share the question, but um, it is all about how to get the person who overshares on your team uh, to still feel loved and support without having, you know, them tell the whole team all the details of their drama. And so essentially, you know, this person has a bit of a train wreck personal life. And so they're just genuinely oversharing with their team and it can really bring down the team. They're sick of hearing about all the drama. And so the team themselves, they, they'd rather have this person stop sharing, oversharing, but they also want to make sure that, you know, she feels loved and supported throughout the whole thing. And uh, it was signed, sincerely, is the genie out of the bottle for good, which is, I love how they signed it. But the reason why I, I resonate with that is because I can be an oversharer. And so it was one of those things when I read this, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a great conversation, uh, just because I, I understand how it's uh, how it feels to be almost on both sides of that spectrum of being the person that either overshares or being somebody who people overshare with for with you. And so I'm excited to dive into this. Yeah. No, well, let's 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 get into it and break it down as we do. So let's start with Headspace, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to try to help our, our listener. She says, "Hey, we got this. We got this employee. Uh, they're oversharing. The the team is kind of tired of it. This their personal life is a train wreck. Um, what do, what do we, what do we do? So let, so where where do you go with Headspace? Do you think about like why this happens? How do you how do you start to get your head around uh, around how you're going to approach this? For me, the first thing uh, that I always want to think about is is exactly uh, what kind of oversharing we're talking about. Because I think that there are some things that are like, this is a big deal. And there are things that are like, I don't need to know what you're doing every single time you go to this one place, right? And so for me, headspace wise, I wanna really, really put this on a spectrum of like, what are we talking about oversharing with? Because if it's something that's going to require a lot of empathy and support, and that's actually a very serious thing that I'm actually gonna have to need to have more empathy towards. And so we're going to have to be a little bit more delicate about the situation. But sometimes oversharing can seriously be like, I used to have, um, this is a good example of of a a bit smaller scale, but when I first took over a clinic um, that didn't have the greatest culture when it came to calling in, um, as in they had sick time, PTO time that they could use, but um, it was really, you know, 
they didn't feel comfortable using it. So they would often overshare the reason they were calling in for. And it could be a smaller thing where it was like, I don't feel well. And now they're describing to me every single thing of why they're not feeling well. And I'm like, listen, I don't need pictures. <laughs> can you please, can you please don't, not share those things? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I, I believe you. I believe that you don't feel good. It's, it's okay. And so it's one of those things for that is a different situation because I knew that that stemmed from, you know, a little bit of a fear of calling in and them having to feel like they needed to prove that they were really sick. And so the way that we're going to approach that is going to be a little bit different. Um, so there's going to be some empathy required for them to understand like, hey, I, I definitely want to know when you're sick and you're not feeling well and you're calling in. Um, you don't have to feel like you need to prove anything to me. In fact, I'm even comfortable with a text message, which a lot of managers are not. A lot of managers are like, you need to call me and you need to sound sick. And I'm like, nope, your sick time is your sick time. I do not. You don't need to prove anything to me. Your personal time is your personal time. I'm fine if you text me and you just let me know you're not coming in. And so I think we I think really figuring out what kind of a big deal, what kind of a deal this is, you know, that we're talking about is this because they did say it's a train wreck of a personal life. And so that makes me wonder, like, what kind of resources does this person need? How much empathy or support does they, does this person need before we we move on? I, so, so I'm going to dovetail right off of that because because I completely agree. So I think I think I think starting with like trying seek first to understand, right? We we talk about that a lot. Like, okay, what what is their position? But then other thing is that dovetails into this next sort of mental exercise for me is like, what is the what is the problem with this? Meaning, like, what? exactly is the fallout. And we're going to need that because when we go and talk to this person, we want to talk a little bit about what what is happening here. Like, what is the downside of the behavior that they have? If you can't say to somebody like, hey, when you do this behavior, this is the impact it has on the team. It's really hard to give them feedback. And I think that when we talk about oversharing and like, especially like personal lives and stuff like that, a lot of people go, ooh, I just don't like it. And the team is tired of hearing about it. And they go, okay, I hear that. Help me in professional language. What does that translate to? Because it's it's one thing if I if I sat you down, I was like, "Hey, Maria, uh, the team is really tired of hearing about your personal life, but we care about you. But also, we're tired of, of it." Um, that may be true. I think it'd be a whole lot easier for me to sit you down and say, "Hey, Maria, um, we're." Uh, I don't know. We're not. We're not able to get thing, enough things done in the day, or we're, we're, we're things are not moving slow. We're not being very efficient because we've got too much uh, sort of chatter, uh, you know, on the team, and we're doing too much socializing. At least, either way, whether I say, "Hey, look, we're doing too much socializing," talking about non-work stuff, and it's slowing the team down, or I say, "Hey, we're just tired of hearing about your personal life." If I can get you to change your behavior, the same in both of those approaches, one of them is much more likely to make you feel valued and cared about than the other. And so I, what I really do, I'm not trying to mislead anybody, but I want to stop and quantify, like, what's the problem here? Is it, is it that we're, does it, do people feel like we're gossiping? Is that where we're going? Do people feel like there's just constant talk about non-work related stuff? Do they feel like they're being distracted and pulled away from their work because they want to be a good listener for you? And like, that's very, that's very different from we're sick of hearing about your ish to, hey, people really want to support you. And so when you start to talk to them about your personal life, they're trying to give you their full attention, but that's stopping them from being able to get their stuff done. And now they're starting to feel guilty about letting you down and they're falling behind and it's causing them a lot of stress. Isn't that a much softer, nicer way to approach this and just say, hey, we're tired of hearing about your stuff. And so anyway, like start to break that down as far as 
what are the outcomes of this behavior? Because whenever we give feedback, whenever we coach, whenever we sort of start to hold people accountable, we want to talk about like, this is what the problem is. And I would like it to not be, we're just sick of your voice. Because I (laughs) think that that's, that's not where we're trying to go. And I don't think that I don't get the impression because this person, when they write, they're like, we want this person to know that they're cared about. We do care about them. And this behavior has got to stop. And so just taking that headspace to dig into it. I think a lot of times with oversharing, um, and, and people, people struggle to articulate what the problem is. It's just, that's not appropriate. This is stuff that we don't care about or doesn't affect us. And I go, yep, go one step beyond that. And what does the impact of this sharing have on the team? Because that's how we're going to frame this up in a professional way versus we're sick of hearing about your stuff. Yeah, I love that you said that because I think it's also a lot more actionable to really look at it from that way. And I'll tell you because... I when I was little uh, in first and second grade. So I'll tell you the story of my parent teacher conferences when I was little in first grade. Surprise, surprise. The teacher told my mom that I talked too much in class. And yes, she did. And that was the only remark because otherwise I was beyond that. I was a perfect student. So the following year in first grade, <laughs> I swear, I'm not even making that up. That's true. Okay. Oh, I, thought, I, thought that was, I thought that was a punchline. No, okay. No, that Sorry. was actually true. That was not a punchline. Um, I was beyond that a perfect student. Uh, according to this teacher, according to this one, I was also, I kissed butt a lot in, in, in school to the teachers. All right, Andy, I'm not going to lie. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, they all loved me. And then in first grade, um, the feedback that the teacher had was like, yeah, Maria's great. She's got, pays attention in class as well. She just doesn't talk to anyone. And I was like, oh, so now I'm getting in trouble because I don't talk to anyone. And it was legitimately, I wasn't talking to many people. And then I was like, okay. So then the following year in third grade, the remark was, hey, Maria is a great student, but now, but, but she has a problem with talking too much and she talks to everyone and we can't focus. And so I kept doing this, like, I remember being a student and doing this, like, correcting and overcorrecting and then undercorrecting and overcorrecting and and I could never really get it right. So the problem wasn't that I talked too much or too little. The problem was that I used it at an inappropriate time. So I was talking too much during work stuff when I shouldn't have. Yeah. And, and so I think it took me a really long time as a child to learn that because nobody really showed me like the when you're supposed to talk and when you're not supposed to talk uh, when it came to to school. And so finally, by around fifth grade, I got it right. Uh, So thanks for that. But what I really like about what you just said is it reminds me of that because you're absolutely right. It's not not just like, hey, we don't want to hear about your situations or this is too much drama. We don't want to hear about it. And I think if you told somebody that it can be very confusing and they could be like, oh, well, we care about you, but we don't want to hear about all this drama. I'm going to hear like, yeah. you don't really care about me. You're just saying you care about me so that you don't seem yeah. like a jerk. <laughs> but really, you don't want yeah. me to talk at all. And that would cause me to overcorrect. And then I would not share any of my personal life with anyone for the fear that like nobody genuinely wants to hear about it. And so I think putting it in the way that you just said was really focusing in on like the reason why. So like, we're not getting work done. We, you know, we need, I need to focus on the clients or, you know, maybe that the negativity can bring me down or whatever it is, getting it actionable, I think is what, what really struck me about that. Yeah. Well, no, I I think, well, thanks for saying that, but no, I I think you're, I think you're spot on. It's, 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 it is very hard to, say, we care about you and we don't want to hear about the things that you care deeply about. Like that's a hard balance to, to work. And so we need to, we need to try to figure out how do we, how do we communicate what the issue is and, and try to, and try to get this person to just sort of self-correct. You know, the other things, 
let me just step back. And I always try to answer our, our listeners' questions, and, we, and we're going to answer this question. Um, and I try not to go, well, let's think about what we could have done in the past that would have been helpful, because the past is the past is gone. But I just, I got to throw out, this is one of those problems where the easiest thing is to not let it get to this point. You know, it's just, this is, there's so many people who they want to lean back and they're not really sure how to have the conversation with somebody about their personal life conversations and stuff. So they don't say anything. And then it starts to be a little bit much, but we still don't say anything. And it's like, man, do not wait for this to become a big thing. Use what we call the mention early on, which is just going, hey, you know, I know you've been talking a lot about your personal life. You know, uh, I know some of the team is a little bit sort of concerned uh, about some stuff that's going on with you. Um, to, to what's, are you, are you doing okay? Do you need, you know, are you aware of our employee assistance program, which I'm a big, which I'm a big fan of. Whenever we have employees who are having um, personal struggles, uh, mental health challenges, things like that, having something like an EAP, uh, the employee assistance program that you can point to and say, hey, this is a resource. This is here for you. We have this for you. That's again, it's, it's a nice way of saying we have something to support you. These are action steps and starting to kind of push them in that direction so that you can refer them because you are not a therapist. You are not their life coach. You are not their counselor. You are not here to fix their personal life. And I see a lot of people go into that problem, right? They are like, Hey, uh, Maria, I know you're, you're having, you have, I'm hearing a lot about what's going on in your personal life. You know, how, how can we help? How can we sort of support you so that we can get our work done? And what I'm really trying to say is how can I get you to not bring this to work? But what you hear is, Hey, tell me more about your personal life so I can get involved in the action or I can give you advice. And like, I'm not trying to give you advice on your personal life. I don't want any part of that. But I also don't want to tell you, hey, you need to deal with this and I don't have anything to support you. And so the, the EAP is an easy, nice thing. They're affordable for practices. They're easy to have. It's a nice thing that you can say, here is an action step for you. Um, and also, I don't want to continue to wrestle with this at work. I love I love that. I love that the EAP system can also help you as a leader too when you're having those situations like uh, because in sometimes when you have this whole, it brings down the whole team. Um, I would want to know who the whole team is, like who's really brought down by somebody sharing their drama. And sometimes you find it might actually not be the whole team. There might be some internal conflict that you don't know that is really there. And so it's, sometimes it can annoy some people. And so one thing that I love about EAPs too, is that we as managers can also use them for conflict resolution to help them uh, call them up and say, Hey, I have this person who has this problem, you know, and like, as a manager, how can you help me with this? And so they have resources for us too as managers, but I love it for our, our team members and our employees because I, I love what you just said. I am a big believer in that too, that we're not their therapists and we're not supposed to be over here trying to get involved. But my thing is I am always going to try and give them the resources they need to help with their personal situation. So whether it's the employee assistant program or if I have somebody that confided in me that they have maybe financial issues, I'm going to refer them to our financial person that takes care of our benefits program, you know, our financial coach, whoever it is that we have as a resource, because I'm not, I'm trying to help without being getting immediately involved. And that's where a lot of those resources really do come in. And we actually have a lot more than we realize because um, sometimes we have some of those through our insurance companies as well. 
our 401k, our payroll will sometimes have certain benefits that uh, help with our, our our employees. So it's it's important to know what, what resources we have, depending on what they mean by train wreck of a personal life, obviously. But yeah, and then there's also community resources too. There's a lot of community resources available that yet sometimes are only available in your own personal community when it comes to uh, personal lives and situations. So I like to be able to refer them to somebody that can help. Yeah. Now, I, I, I just think I think that's really important when we start dealing with people's personal lives is you can be supportive of them by referring them to resource. And I think that you can sort of take the bull by the horns as a as manager, as a leader and say, hey, this is what we have. These are the things that I recommend. So you're not telling them to shut up. You're telling them, hey, we want to actually to actually address this issue and try to support you. And so anyway, I, I, I found that to be a really effective way to communicate to people, I do care. And also, we've got a job to do, and I'm going to make sure you get the resources you have, and we're going to move forward. And if they don't care enough, uh, or they're not in a place to kind of utilize those resources, again, that's totally their choice. But it's not okay to continue to come and bring that stuff to work and then not take advantage of resources that are, that are being sort of put forward. You know, um, we we talk a lot about building trust before you need it, you know, Um I, one of the sort of the core tenets in effectively leading people is, is, is having a trusting relationship. And in order to have that, you kind of have to know your people and they kind of have to know you. And so this is one of those things, too, just to, to jump back in time a little bit, kind of like, hey, it's really helpful if we talk to, about this earlier rather than later after it becomes a big established pattern. The other thing is it's always helpful to know your people, right? It's, and it sounds, again, from our, our, our writer that, that they have got a good culture and that they know each other. And so it's a whole lot easier to have these conversations when you know this person than it is when you really don't know them. And now you're telling them that they need to figure out their personal life somewhere else or at another time. And so that that's just kind of just a reminder, always be laying that groundwork of knowing the people that you lead and that you manage. And again, having those conversations, just, you know, figure out, figure out who they are as people, you know, know their hobbies, know their, know their families, know what they care about. And then if, if you can have that level of trust, then when you bring them in and say, Hey, I got to talk to you about something that's going on. You know, we're, I know that you're struggling in your personal life and you're bringing these things in. And, and this is the impact that it's having on the rest of the team. That's a much easier conversation to have if you and I have some relationship than when you and I don't have much of a relationship. And I don't know much about you and you don't know much about me. Yeah, I really agree with that 100%. And also easier to bring up if you have something um, that you're already doing or meeting regularly with. Like, Andy, you and I meet regularly for one-on-ones. Um, and so it's, it feels like a really safe space where we get to talk about, you know, what's going on with the business, with the with the the what we have going on with the podcast, with webinars, what have you. And so I think that <clears throat> this is something that too, fig- trying to figure out like, okay, this person is oversharing with the regular team, but does she have a an area in which she can share perhaps part of the personal life that's that's affecting her work, like? If for some reason I had, you know, like, oh, hey, Andy, I have a situation in which, you know, maybe a family member is moving in due to health concerns and I don't, you know, I need to share it with you. And so just let just let you know, I might be, you know, harder to get a hold of within the next couple of weeks, but it'll be done by this time. You know, I feel like we have a not only do we do we have a spot where I can feel like I trust you enough to say that because you're well, because you're such a great leader, Andy, but also also, because we meet regularly, you know, to discuss things. And so I think that's another thing is it's like, what kind of, you know, what are we offering our teams in, in the sense of not saying that you have to be their therapist, right? But that you do have a space where those things can be brought up 
versus maybe she's oversharing because she's trying to bring up the fact that she's got a lot going on in her life, but she doesn't know how to bring it up to management. And so instead, she's bringing it up, you know, to everybody else on the team just so that everybody else knows you know, that she might be coming in a little late because she has this personal thing. You know, that that's kind of what I'm getting at is yeah. what kind of system do we have in place to be able to bring that up if it's going to be affecting our, our work? Yeah, I really like that. I, I think I think that I think that's so insightful. Yeah, the, the, the sort of the open door policy, the ongoing communication, easy way to bring up, you know, but it's funny when you say that I had not even thought about the idea that maybe we're having all of this talk because this person's insecure, they're like, hey, I know I'm distracted. I, you know, I'm worried about making mistakes. And I, and I, I I'm almost like, make, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I want other people to understand, hey, if you see these behaviors, this is what's going on with me. And there's just a lot of people who, they have a lot of guilt uh, if they don't feel like they're at 100% or they don't want anyone to think they're not trying to pull their weight or things like that. And so they overshare. So it goes back to that whole, like, start with why, you know, like, what, what's going on, you know? What, what's driving this behavior? I, I think that that type of investigation, it requires a little bit of subtlety. Uh, and again, it's, it really makes it a lot easier if you have a good relationship with your people. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're spot on with that. The last part of Headspace for me, right, where I want to get my head into this going in is, remember, it is not your job as a leader, as a manager, to, to make people happy, right? Now, that doesn't mean we don't care about people. It is your job to balance the needs of the people and the patients and the clients and the business. And so you've got to keep all those things in balance. And to me, that that just helps me mentally because I'm like, I'm going to go have to have this hard conversation with Maria. I feel this great weight and pressure to talk to Maria, but I don't want to hurt Maria's feelings because I know that I care about her and I want her to know that we that our, our team cares about her and... Um, I, you know, I, I put all this sort of personal weight on this conversation of what's going to happen between the two of us. And just for me, it's so much easier if I step out and go, you know what, I am the messenger here and I need to balance Maria's team against uh, needs. Sorry. I need to balance Maria's needs against the needs of the rest of the team and also against the needs of the clients and also the needs against the needs of the patients who need care. And so we're going to go have this conversation in that larger context. It just puts everything in balance and perspective, and it makes it a whole lot easier to kind of say, hey, this is kind of what's going on, and this is what other people are dealing with, and this is what our, our, our patients need. And, you know, we need to talk about how this behavior fits into that balance. And it's not just we're having this conversation because I am tired of hearing about your personal life. It's like, no, there's this much larger thing going on, and I'm, I'm trying to find this balance. So anyway, that that seek balance is, is always something I want to kind of put into my mind whenever I have sort of hard interpersonal conversations coming up because it just it gives you a healthier perspective and helps you zoom out and not just look at the one person you have to have the hard conversation with but look at everybody involved and saying okay it's suddenly a whole lot clearer what needs to happen and why it needs to happen yeah and I love that you said that too because I think sometimes us as managers we do feel very much that we have to like it's hard for us to have these conversations because we feel like, oh, we have to take care of our team and how am I taking care of them if I have to have this type of conversation, but really frame it in the perspective of like balancing those needs that this is the better thing for the team as a whole is to have this conversation because I think a lot of times that's the problem with any kind of difficult conversation is that we don't have it because we don't want to upset somebody in, in the process. But then this tiny little no big deal thing turns into a very big deal because now you've let it go on for so long. And so I think that that's that's really smart thing for us to remember as as the people who are having to have this conversation and so that we hopefully don't feel as like, oh, this is I'm a bad leader for telling somebody that they can't 
share their personal life. You know what I mean? It's it's not that at all. And it's it's important to keep that in mind. And so I, I love that you said that. Well, that that balance perspective, that definitely yeah. pushes me to have the conversation earlier too. You're exactly, yeah. like, you're exactly right. Like if it's, if I don't think of that way and I'm just like, well, you know, it doesn't bother me that much. And so I'm going to let it go. I tend to let it go a lot longer than I do if I go, hey, this is impacting five other people who were all working at the front desk or five of the other uh, tags, uh, you know, the doctors are, are starting to roll their eyes. There's suddenly, yes, it's a low grade annoyance, but all these people are having it. And that's just, that's not worth it. And so I'm going to step in and have this conversation when everybody's slightly annoyed, as opposed to, uh, I've got a lot of people who are really just sick and tired of this behavior. And now it's, I'm going to have to go and have a much bigger conversation. So that whole balance perspective as someone who doesn't really love conflict, as somebody who likes to be nice and, and, and sees himself as a kind person that I, I can, I can sit back. Well, thank you. I can sit, I can sit back too long. And so that, that balance perspective has pushed me for that. So anyway, that's, that's what I got for headspace. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I think that, that that's what I've got, too. I think we, we hit them all. All right, cool. Let's, uh, let's take a little break, and then we'll come back, and we'll do our action steps. Okay. Hey, everybody. If you are a practice owner or a practice manager, listen up, because I've got something for you. If you're not in one of those roles, take a quick break from whatever you're doing, and we'll be right back with the podcast. But if you are, I don't want you to miss out, because our Practice Leaders Summit is happening in December in Greenville, South Carolina, in person. And registration is going to be closing. In fact, it is closing on November the 7th, 2023. And if you have not signed up and you have been on the fence, I'm going to give you a little bit of incentive. I'm going to share a coupon code here for you. And I want you to use it because I want to see you there. So Practice Leaders Summit is all about working on our practices, not in them. And this year we are taking practice owners and practice managers specifically, and we are hoping to bring them all together and let them spend some time separately. So practice owners working with other practice owners, managers working with other managers, because the challenges we face in those roles are so unique. And so we need time and space to be able to work together with our peers and collaborate because no one knows what life is like for us in the clinic better than our peers. And so we're going to do that. And then we're going to bring everybody together. So if you come together with your practice owner, let's say as practice manager or vice versa, we're going to spend time working on your practice. But don't fear because if you come by yourself, you will still get the opportunity to work with practice owners or practice managers in small groups so that you can spend the time at the end of the conference really working um, with myself and Andy and Maria and the rest of the Uncharted team, um, working our way through what do we really want 2024 to be about for our practices. And so we're going to tackle some of the big topics. I'm super pumped about this. So we would love to see you there. And I've got a special code for our Uncharted podcast listeners. So if you go to uncharted.com forward slash events and you sign up before the November 7th deadline for PLS and you use this code, it is SG for Stephanie Goss, UVC. So SGUVC20, you will get $20 off your registration for Practice Leader Summit. So if you've been on the fence, if you've been waffling, I haven't shared this on the podcast yet, but I'm throwing it out there. Go to unchartedvet.com forward slash events, sign up for the registration. You can use the code to get it for yourself. You can get it for you and your practice owner or you and your practice manager, but sign up because I want to see you there. And now back to the podcast.
All right. So uh, we we've got it. We're in a good headspace. We're thinking about um, we've talked about what are, what are the drivers of this behavior? Like start with why? Where is this behavior coming from? We seek first to understand. You know all those sorts of all those sorts of uh, cliched phrases about understanding what's driving this behavior. Um, and then we started to dig into what are the what are the actual outcomes that we're seeing, so that we can go and say this is the outcome that is coming out of your behavior, not just. People don't want to hear about it. People are tired of it. But what are, what, are, what are the negative effects of this behavior so we can coach that? And we've thought about that stuff. We talked about um, we talked about sort of looking at it from a balanced perspective. We, we talked about knowing what our resources are and are there things that we can go and hand off to this person so we're not saying, hey, I know you're struggling. You need to keep it to yourself. It's not that. But also... I'm not your therapist and I don't want to be your therapist and that's not my job and I'm not taking that on. So don't bring it to me, but I'm going to give you some resources and I can get you access to a therapist or, what, or whatever through our, through our EAP um, or through other resources that we have. So uh, we've sort of got all those ducks in a row. So I, I think, I think having that stuff is really important when we actually go to have the conversation. So is the, is the genie out of the bottle for good? You never know, right? Like I have, I cannot say if you say this to this person, their behavior will change. I don't know. I think that um, usually when we have behaviors that get started and build up slowly over time, one of the mistakes I see people make, and maybe they can, maybe you can pull it off. I just I, I've never been able to pull it off. It's really hard to just kind of subtly walk that back, meaning start giving people subtle negative reinforcement and change that behavior. Once that behavior is sort of established, to me, you have to do what I call the reset. And the reset is when you bring the person in and say, "Hey, this is what's going on." We need to make some changes and we're going to start today. And then we can start to give positive reinforcement. We can start to give negative reinforcement if we see these behaviors. A lot of times if people have been doing something and behaving a certain way for a long time, and then you just start giving negative reinforcement or saying, hey, stop that. They're confused. They don't really get it. It doesn't, it doesn't, they don't understand where this pushback is coming from. Like you you need to sort of do a reset conversation. So the first action step that for me is it's time to bring this person in. It's time to have a reset conversation. It's time to ask them about what happened, why, why this behavior is, is coming up as opposed to in the past. And it may just be that their personal life is kind of spent out of, out of control. Um, we need to talk to them about what exactly they're doing that's bothering the team. Because to your point, I thought it was a really good story about um, first I talked too much. And then, so I was told that was not right. So then I talked not at all. It's, it's not this person talking. It's probably not this person sharing. It's definitely not this person being themselves or being their authentic selves. It's not those things. It is a specific behavior. And we need to try to make clear what that behavior is so this person is not confused. So when I bring you in and go, hey, Maria, I just need you to just take it down. Just take it down a couple of notches. You don't know what that means. You know, that's that's terrible feedback. Or, hey, it's it's the talking. It's the, it's the it's, you know, it's just the talking. Um, that, that that's really confusing feedback. It's it's not specific. It's not it's not really actionable in a way that that matters. I, again, I'm not trying to make this person feel unwanted. I need I need to get kind of surgical in what exactly am I asked? What exactly is the problem? So that you can see it and isolate it. And then we're going to have to start to talk about the impacts that problem has on the team. So they go, oh, I understand how my behavior is causing these effects. And then lastly, we're going to talk about about our resources and, and how we're going to change our behavior. And oftentimes that means maybe trying to get this person some support if possible um, in, in a healthy way. Yeah, I really like that. And I really liked how you said uh, really addressing that behavior, which is really, really important in that conversation. Um, things like uh, 
sharing, you know, when when you when you sh- when you talk to us about this, you know, it makes us feel this way or um, just really having that focused on the behavior and the action steps on how we can correct it or where it might be the appropriate place, because that's going to give me something to actually work on, like you said, versus like, you know, just just not sharing my personal life at all, because now I think you guys don't care about me. Let's let's role play this. Like, let's uh, you know, people always like if we sort of try to use some language and things. And like I said, there's no right way to say this. You got to figure out what sounds good in your voice. Uh, let's see you and me do this real fast. So um, okay. let's let's come up real quick with like, um, what is the behavior? Let's let's think about this. So what could what could oversharing look like? What I want to get at is what does this conversation sound like? You know what I mean? And so um, what is something that an employee would be doing? Like, what does this oversharing look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As in, oh, man, Andy, you know, I'm having, yeah, I had a great weekend, although it was really hard because my car broke down. And then also, you know, then my husband was like getting mad at me for the car breaking down like it was my fault. And okay, that cool. kind of thing, so fighting, like fighting, fighting with the husband. husband. And yeah, I, love I feel like those and then talking about, you know, uh, the reasons why you were fighting with your husband. Um, I think we hear a lot of, of the personal life like that at home drama amongst there usually we can make up a scenario with that too um yeah well let's just let's just start with that and then i would say like what is this what is the specific sort of behavior that like so what is what is the outcome of that i mean is it is it a time suck is it emotional fatigue is it like conflict that's being brought to the team and they're getting you know conflict fatigue like like what when we start to look at that behavior, what would that what would that feel like? You know, yeah, I think the emotional impact that it has on your team is going to be one uh, because if, if you're bringing down negativity a lot, um, and then also the efficiency piece. We had we had gotcha. one uh, we had one time a receptionist who who liked to overshare with clients, and that gave us an unprofessional setting. And so that oh, was, that's a great yeah, one, unpro- yeah. yeah. So let's let's hear me. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the talk and just sort of say how I'd set it up, and then I want you to come back and I want you to to fix it, critique it, see how you tell me how you would go at it differently. Sound good? Okay, cool. So I'd say something like, "Hey, uh, okay, Maria, yeah. you know, thank, thanks, thanks for thanks for coming in. I, I wanted to, to to talk to you a little bit. You know, I, I've been you and I've been hanging out uh, for a long time, and I've, I've known you a long time, and I, I I can't help but notice over the last couple of weeks, you're having a lot of conversations with me and with other members of the staff about conflict that you're having with your husband. And so I'm, I'm hearing it a lot and it's like, I, you know, I, I care about you. Uh, I, I, you know, you're, you're a friend of mine. Um, the, the rest of the team, you know, they love you and they care about you as, as well. And so I, I know everybody wants to be supportive, but we're, we're getting to the point where this is it's definitely happening pretty, pretty regularly. And, and when we're having these conversations and this team is hearing about sort of conflict again and again, the, they, they internalize that conflict. They, they care about you and they're hearing about you, you know, in these arguments or these fights and, and, and it doesn't sound like you're always being treated fairly. And, and it's, it's, it takes an emotional toll on, on them and, and they don't, they don't know how to help. And I don't really know how to help, but it is something that, that I'm, I'm worried about people really feeling and, and carrying with them. The other thing is that, you know, when, when you come in and, and tell these stories, pe- people want to give you their full attention and they, they want to be present with you. And we're just so busy. Uh, there's it, it, I know that people struggle 
to be able to get their work done and also feel like they're giving you full attention. But then also the phones are ringing and clients are coming in and they've got patients that they're working on and things like that. And so I, I think people are, are starting to feel a little bit trapped of, I really want to give my full attention to the patient and also really want to be there for Maria. And so I, I think that that's really, that's really hard on them. The, the, the last part is when clients are around and they hear these conversations, you know, they look to us to be, you know, these magical professionals that know everything and take perfect care of their pets. And it doesn't, it doesn't match up. It seems like a possible distraction from the care that their pet is getting and things like that. And of course, it's, I'm not saying it's unimportant and you know that, but I do worry about sort of an unprofessional appearance just with them hearing, you know, one of our, one of our team members talking about personal life stuff while we're taking care of their pet as a pen. So I just want to talk to you about this stuff and sort of say, hey, this is kind of the behavior that I'm seeing. This is sort of how it's affecting the team. I want to make sure that you're supported. And so I want to ask you if there's, if there's, is there anything that we can do? Do you, do you have support, uh, support outlets? Um, have you looked at, at our employee assistance program has, has stuff? If I don't know if that would be valuable, but if it is valuable, I want you to know it, that, that it's there, things like that. But, but how can we, how can we support you without having these uh, effects on the team and to make people be able to continue to show up and, and make this be a, a positive place to be because I want this to be a, a refuge where you can come and 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 have a great experience and, and feel supported and cared about. And I want to make sure that we sort of protect that experience for other people while still being honest about people having a hard time sometimes and, and we all struggle. So anyway, talk, talk to me a little bit about kind of what's going on and and how, how we can maybe support you in, in a positive, productive way. Well, so that's, 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 that's kind of how I would sort of... <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's how I would, and again, you, you hear me just m making it up and I'm sort of talking off yeah, the cuff. I love that. That's, that's kind of what it would sort of sound like as I start to try to open this conversation up. Um, mm -hmm. what, what do you think? What could I do better? Uh, what, what, what seemed to work well? What are your, what are your thoughts? I felt genuinely supported during that. Like Good. you, you did a great job at, at framing it from, like we talked about, the behavior and the support and, and really caring about, you know, I, I I still want to care and support you. And I love the actual steps that that's where you ended kind of because that's where my brain focused towards the end, not as much on the other things, but like really focusing on the actual steps. The only thing that I would add in that conversation would be to, to frame it, frame more about why it's important for them to use EAP. And I may even say yeah. something of like, you know, when we talk about these things at work, not only do I do we does the team feel bad because they're not giving you the um, the time because they're trying to struggle, but you also deserve to have an unbiased party give you that information because we all love you and we're gonna we're gonna give you the best advice that we can and we're gonna talk to you about those things. But at the same time, I really do think that you owe it to yourself to have that unbiased party, you know, and you're only going to get that through the EAP. And so it's going to be something that's that's really going to help you go work through it in more actionable steps than us trying to help you in the middle of this appointment. And so trying to really focus it from like, what would they get out of out of using the program kind of thing. Well, um, I, I, I love your, your phrase. Oh, I think you owe it to yourself. I was like, oh, that's so good. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, and it's true. Like, yeah. don't like you, you've got this opportunity. You've got the support. You, you, there's things that you can do. You owe, if it's bothering you this much, you, you owe it to yourself to, to get serious about what you're going to do, not just to talk to whoever is not fast enough to get out of the room before you start to unload on them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, yeah, I, but I, I, I love that wording. You know, it, when we do examples like this, it's always a balance of like, I want to try to sort of get, get it out into the, into the world. It's like, this is kind of what I would say. And then at the same time, 
I don't want to monologue at this person. You know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's that kind of balance of reading their body language, uh, seeing how they're feeling, sort of checking in. Um, I, I think you're, you're totally right about having to unpack more of like what that EAP experience looks like. I would not drop that in the initial monologue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I definitely, I want to check in with them. And then if they have questions or if they start to tell me, if they're on board with that, if that sounds reasonable, then I'll start to lay out more of the, these are the resources that we have, or this is what that can kind of look like. But um, no, I think you're, I think you're spot on about before we, before we get too much farther, we do need to flesh out a little bit more like what that support kind of looks like. But again, I think it's, I do think it's really important to get their input on, on what kind of support is valuable for them, because I don't, I don't really, I don't know what they need. And I I don't want to be I don't mm-hmm. want to be presumptuous and say, oh, I hear what's going on. Let me tell you that this is the best thing that you can do. And here it is. And yeah, I think you're spot on in the what you just you know told the audience and in the way that we role played it. It's going to be different because there I felt the moments in which you were um, talking in which you would have stopped and asked like there was a specific question. I just want to talk to you about that. What do you think, you know, we we could do about something like this? I yeah. feel like that would have been a sp- moment in which I would have stopped and been like, oh, well, I have some ideas ideas about this because you're right you know the solution to the problem is always going to be better if it comes from them right and so yeah i think it, you're it's it's different when we're role-playing it here in the podcast because the the conversation is going to be different but i think the approach you went was was just super solid um well, and just just the way that you framed it so yeah. yeah well i mean it's it's one of those things too we're taking a little bit of time to to do this right and to have this conversation is going to pay such huge dividends later on don't don't rush it like sitting down you know pick pick your time pick your location right like i don't want this to feel like they're in trouble um you know i i don't want to do this at the end of the day when they're exhausted and they're hungry and blah. like i want to try to do this at a time when i can when i can get some good headspace right like we've all had hard conversations when we are not up for a hard conversation and that is really really challenging we have also had hard conversations when people are open to hearing what we're talking about and had it go really well. And again, we've got a limited amount of control because we can't control other people, but we can at least try to be a little bit strategic about how we're going to do this and when we're going to do it and things like that. How do you how do you pick your time for this conversation, Maria? So uh, it was to say how we're going to do it, when we're going to do it. I, people always ask me, they're like, do you tell the person you're going to have this conversation? Do you book time on the calendar? Do you not? Do you like just ask them to come in? Talk to me a little bit about about when you would have this conversation. I think uh, I think you're spot on. I would I would hate to do it at the end of the day. Um, and then because then the, the only I feel like what you're going to find is that's going to be stuck in the end of the day. You're going to mull it over. You're going to think about it a lot. And I want to be there to control any afterthoughts because we all have afterthoughts of like, that are sometimes driven by anxiety um, of like, oh, you know, this or that. I want to be able to control those afterthoughts. So I want to have it not at the end of the day, for sure. This is where I was talking about it, why I love having a regular cadence for discussing regular one-on-ones and talking about, you know, are having this designated time because then it's not a surprise. And it's like, this is our regular one-on-one cadence that we talk about, you know, whatever we need to talk about, what's going on at homework, whatever. Um, and having that space because then it's not, it's not going to feel daunting. I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make as leaders is uh, say to employees like, hey, uh, I need to talk to you for a minute because for some reason that can be the scariest phrase in when you're a manager. And it can actually be the scariest phrase when 
uh, coming from your employees because sometimes they tell you, I need to talk to you and your brain will immediately go like, oh, great, this person's going to quit. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> we have to we have to be careful with the I need to talk to you because some of us have uh, experiences in the past that can can be that. So I try to avoid saying I need to talk to you and if I'm ever going to have a meeting like this. And I do try to make sure we have time for it. And so I'll say more like, hey, I said some time for us to meet at this time. And so that way it's more like, hey, we're going to meet at this time. Low, low stakes, they're not going to be worried about, oh, what are we going to talk about? Hey, we're just meeting up and talking. So I think that, that that's really important to me. And I think time-wise, it's usually going to be sometime in the morning to mid-afternoon um, when it's not going to be so crazy for my team. But that's because that's the when it wasn't so crazy for my team. Every clinic's going to be a little different, I think. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I agree with all that. It's um, I, it's a mistake to set this thing up in a way, if you can avoid it, where they're like, oh my gosh, we're having a meeting tomorrow and they won't tell me what it's about. I, I always think that that's, that's bad. It's problem. It's much more problematic if this is a doctor who's got an appointment schedule and, and you're like, oh man, they're in appointments. You, this is not a conversation that you want to squeeze between appointments. This is not a, hey, can I talk to you real quick? Because if they come back and they're like, hey, you know, I've got some serious stuff going on. I'm, re- I'm really struggling. I, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm getting pretty depressed. Um, that you want to be like, I, yeah. Well, um, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry, I gotta go. Like, like our time is uh, there's, a, there's a, there's an appointment <laughs> waiting snap. for you, and I, I don't think you should miss it. You, you, you definitely don't want that. Um, I, I completely agree. If you have regular meeting times, like if this is one of your direct reports, if you're a medical director, uh, it's really nice to have standing meetings with doctors. This is also one of those things where if it's been going on for a long time, which is where we are now, this is not a thing where you have to race and fix it this afternoon. And it's funny how long there'll be a pattern of behavior that's been going on for six months and people are like, that's it. We're fixing this. Where is she? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, man, you've been it's been six months. What are you doing? Like, why is this a thing you have to do before you go home today? Like, just like you know, get take make the decision and stick to it. You're not bailing on this. But also, go home and sleep on it. Think about what you're going to say. Go through the exercises we talked about about figuring out fallout and 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 uh, the questions we're going to ask and stuff like that. And then just it's worth it to keep your cadence and bring this person in, talk to them in a low stakes environment. Um, I, I think that's really good. If this is somebody like a CSR or a you know a tech or an assistant, somebody you can kind of pull off the floor. Make sure that you've got time and you're not going to be distracted. Um, but if this is not someone that you regularly meet with or things like that, I do think that you can do that. Hey, have you got a couple minutes? I, w- I want to talk to you about something and just pull them uh, that way. I can be on board with that because I think the anticipation of the conversation can really terrify people. Um, especially if you do your best to keep it low stakes in the room and make sure that they don't feel like they're in trouble. Uh but again, that that breaks down when you're talking about doctors who have appointments and there's people waiting on them. It, it's much harder to mm-hmm. get those people. Or um, if it's like a receptionist that's in charge of the phones, what are you going to do with the phones? While because when <laughs> in my years of receptioning, um, I remember getting anxiety sometimes when I would get pulled from the floor. But like all they did was forward the phones because that just meant I had a bunch of messages to come back to. Um, so really, really thinking about like if you are going to do the casual thing put somebody at the desk to just help out you know put somebody at in in the back to do it or if you have time because you actually have decided to schedule it you have the ability to schedule uh to have uh more hands that you need uh so that you don't have to be pulling somebody and it's going to be a great dire need kind of situation but yeah that's all i got i mean i feel like that's the best shot uh does the genie go back into the bottle 
I don't, I don't know. I think uh, it depends on why this is an issue. It depends on what's going out. It depends on what kind of positive and negative feedback this person's been getting from the rest of the team. Um, yeah, it, it just depends on a lot of factors, right? Like we can't, we can't make, we can't make people change uh, their behaviors. We can talk to them about it. We can coax them to change. We can coach them to change. But um, but ultimately, this has got to be something that they they've got to want. There are we've all seen employees that just can never break the habit of just they just some people just love drama. They just like they they let it into their lives. They seem to thrive on it and feed on it. Um, you can coach those people. We can make our team a, a place that drama just doesn't get much of a foothold. There are things like that that we can do. Um, but, you know, we can't, we can't guarantee that the, the genie goes back in the bottle. But my, my big advice is have the big conversation. And, and the last thing I want to say is this, is you're going to have the conversation we just talked about. That is not the beginning, middle, and end of our treatment plan. That is the beginning of the treatment plan. And then we're going to stay engaged. And when this person comes the next day and we don't hear anything about the personal life and they've got a good attitude, I want you to jump in there with the positive reinforcement. Like call it out, say to them at the end of the day, hey, I want you to know I see you. I see you working hard. I know you're carrying a lot, but boy, you were an absolute joy to be around today. And and I know that it meant a lot to the rest of the uh, for, for having your head in the game here and, and for you know, and for showing up the way that you did. So remember to jump in positively reinforce. If after a couple of weeks, it starts to slip, which is often the case, is the behavior will get better for a couple of weeks. And um, if and when it starts to come back, because it often does, be there just to have the quick mention. Don't wait until it gets back bad enough that you have to have another closed door conversation. Say something sooner rather than later. Say, hey, you know, Things have been going really well for the last couple of weeks. I, I, I know you've been working through some stuff. You have really been a pleasure to be around. I couldn't help but but over here today, you know, that that we're starting to talk again about about conflicts at home and, and things like that. And I'm sorry to hear that. What's 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 going on as far as, you know, our commitment to communicating with the team? And, you know, and like it might, you know, you can understand my, my concern is I don't I don't want things to get to get negative or or for us to start backsliding because things have been have been really, really great. How can you know, how can I support you? And it's just sort of trying to mention it, you know, in a way like that. Again, a, a compassionate sort of way. But uh, but don't don't let it go. Just know that there, people are going to make an effort. They're generally going to do their best, and they're generally going to have some backsliding. And, and all you gotta all you gotta do is mention to them, "Hey, I I, I heard this. Every, everything okay?" And a lot of times, what happens is that lets them know that. Hopefully, it helps them know that they're supported, but also it calls attention to the fact that this behavior did happen, and and I, and I saw it. And so hopefully that that's that's often enough it, it takes to get people kind of back on the rails. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Cool. Well, Maria, thanks for being here today. I always appreciate you and your time, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope I hope this was helpful for a mailbag listener. Take care of yourselves, everybody. And that's what we got for you guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks to Maria for being here. I always enjoy working with her. Uh, she is amazing. Congratulations to her in all seriousness on her CVP. Um, she really is a uh, rising star in our profession, and I feel honored to get to work with her. So anyway, um, guys. Take care of yourselves. Be well. I'll talk to you later on. Bye.